You're listening to the pulpit of Marion Avenue Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for today's message. For additional resources, you can visit us online at marionavenuebaptist.com or by calling 855-825-4113. The truth will make you free. Thank you. The book of Revelation, we're going to expound the word of God to you this morning. It's time for Christians to start winning. It's time for Christians to start overcoming. Revelation chapter number 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. In Revelation chapter number 4, John has been ushered into the throne room and is being revealed what is to come. Notice verse number 1 of Revelation 5 as he's in the throne room now and attention is focused on something specific in the throne room. The Bible says in verse number 1, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Revelation 5 and verse number 3, And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits, God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy! is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Please anoint this time. This is a, a truth that will help us tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and on into our future. Lord, if we will dig it out and apply it to our lives and live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. So John has been given this all-access pass into heaven and he begins to describe what he sees in chapter number four. Only one other person that we know, know of was able to see into the future and see into the thr throne room, and that was the Apostle Paul. 
But Paul said he couldn't even speak of that which he saw because it was reserved for the ages to come and it was not to be uttered by uh, you and I here on earth. It was so glorious and so wonderful. But God allows John, the revelator, as he's exiled on Patmos, to begin to ex- uh, describe and explain what he saw in the throne room. And now, after he sees all of the glory of God and all of the greatness of God, he's looking at God on the throne, all of a sudden, everything gets silent as all attention is now focused to something in the hand of God on the throne. They're not talking about the throne anymore. They're not talking about the jasper anymore. They're not talking about the red glow uh, coming from the room. They're not talking about the rainbow above the throne anymore. They're not talking about all the symbolism of God and His glory and the plan of redemption. They're looking at a scroll that is in the right hand of God. And everybody begins to stare at that scroll. The scroll that they are all looking at and that John is allowed to see is the title deed to earth. It's really the title deed to heaven as well, but heaven and earth, this title deed is sealed with seven seals. And in Bible times, when there was a will, will, a property will, it was sealed with seven seals. And notice in verse number one that it's written on the front and the backside, so there's nothing else that will be written on it. Man's judgment has been sealed for eternity. It's either heaven or it's hell. It's sealed, and God's will, God's title deed to earth is sealed. Now, you have to understand how property worked in the Bible, that if one had lost their property rights because of bondage, because they were too poor, they would sell themselves. That was what uh, uh, you would see in servitude in the scriptures. They would sell themselves and their property would be taken. And the only way for them to get their property back was a kinsman, which you would say a relative, to redeem it for them. Nobody else could redeem that property back for them. Nobody else could unseal the title deed that once was uh, belonging to the owner of the property. They had forfeited it. They were in bondage and in servitude. They had become poor and had given it up. And we see the story in a beautiful picture of Christ in the book of Ruth. And Naomi had become poor and had moved to Moab and had forfeited the rights to her property. But Ruth now comes, Naomi comes back and, and, and she's bitter, if you remember that, because um, it, life has been hard for her and she's lost this property. But she comes back and Ruth goes into a field of Boaz. And Boaz becomes the kinsman redeemer to redeem the land back to Naomi and Ruth. And it's a beautiful picture of the kinsman redeemer. And so right now in prophecy, why is it so important that this seal is open? Don't miss this foundation, otherwise you'll miss the truth that you need to take home with you. The reason why it's so important is because at this stage in prophecy, in Revelation chapter number 1, we have been raptured out before the wrath of God known as the second part of the tribulation. And this is taking place, as John is viewing it, during the tribulation where Satan has deceived the earth and evil is prevailing and the deception is at an all-time high and there is a globalism and the, 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 this, this man of peace, this, this anti-Christ, this person that's trying to look like Jesus has risen. If you come back tonight, you'll hear more about the 
coming signs that we are seeing that is setting it up to this first three and a half year reign of the Antichrist uh, coming and ruling and reigning in deception and being in dominion over all of the earth. And this is where John is and John understands it. John sees that the world, the earth, is under the bondage of sin. And can I just stop and say this? This morning, the earth is under the bondage of sin. The earth is under the bondage of the curse of death. We all have to die. That was not God's original plan. But sin into the world and death by sin for all have sinned. And you don't have to turn on the news but for 30 seconds to see that this world is ruled by sin. And so the earth is now sold in bondage. And Satan today is holding the title deed to earth. We read about it in Matthew chapter number 4 when the devil takes Jesus to an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, if you'll just bow down and worship me, he says, I will give you this glory. I'll give you the title deed. And Jesus says, I can't take the title deed that way. I had to come, be born of a virgin, be born in human flesh so that I can overcome, so that I can win, so that I can prevail, so that I can be worthy to be the, oh, this is so good, the kinsman redeemer uh, to, to buy back the title deed to God's will and God's plan, to redo what was undone when man fell and sinned. And so John is now weeping because he's seeing the deception on earth that many of you are seeing today. And John is weeping because God has not yet revealed to him the one worthy to come and open the seal. And he knows that it has to be a kinsman redeemer because Adam was given the title deed to earth, meaning you and I, mankind, were given dominion. And by the way, one day in the kingdom age, we won't get all into this, maybe tonight we will, we will have dominion again and we will be partakers of that title deed. But hold on, Adam had the title deed, he had dominion over the earth. But because he became poor, I don't mean poor money, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about he entered into sin, he forfeited the title deed and Satan deceived Adam and Eve and he became the prince of the power of the air, the little g God of this earth and Satan holds the title deed to earth right now. He's the God of this world. A lot of people want to get their prophecy and their, they're not rightfully dividing and they enter today into dominion theology and that, uh, you know, you, you turn on, you hear, you know, Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn and all these uh, false prophets and they're saying, you know, you're a God right now. You can have dominion right now. You hold the title to earth. Whatever you speak, it will be. Whatever is bound will be unbound. And it's, hold on, folks, rightly divide the word of truth. Jesus is going to open that seal. John told us he's going to open that seal. He's already seen that he's going to open the seal. He's already paid the price. He's already become worthy today to open the seal. But he's allowing us an age or space of grace so that you and I can be a part of the heirs, the kinsmen, oh, this is so rich, of Jesus Christ. There are people in this room that you are not related to Jesus Christ. You, you are of your, of, of, of your father, the devil. You say, what? We're all children of God. No, we were created by God and God loves us all. But when we entered into sin, 
We are separated from God and Jesus is the only bridge to bring us back. And so God has given us this time right now. I'm glad I don't have dominion right now. I'm glad that I am not a king or a priest as far as dominion today holding the title that whatever I speak, man, I can speak and I can hold snakes and they can bite me and I won't get sick and I can go lay my hand on somebody who's crippled and all of a sudden their leg grows. No, 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 not so. Not so. Hey, God's, God's going to set all things right, but he's given us a time in this broken world so that people can come to know the old, old story that there is a God that loves us and wants to redeem us and wants to buy us. And so John is weeping and he's saying there's nobody in the earth. There's no pope. There's no priest. There's no pastor. There's no man. I'm chief of sinners. I've sinned with the rest of them. I'm not worthy. There's nobody under the earth. What is this speaking of? Well, it's talking about the geographic place of hell, but it's also talking about in the underworld of death, there's no great religious leader so-called. There's no great man that's been worshipped and been uh, lifted up to great revere that is worthy to come waltzing into heaven. Some saint of old that man has lifted up to come walking in and say, I have all dominion, I have all power, I can take away the sins of the world. No, there's only one. He said it's not under the earth, in the underworld of death. It's not on the earth, uh, in, 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 in the um, picture of, of, of sainthood or religious works. He said it's not even in heaven uh, by the angels or the elders. He said there's only one. And John's weeping because in Romans 8, 22, even the earth is groaning because the devil holds the title deed to earth this morning. Let me read it for you. He says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Uh, this old robe of flesh, I'm going to drop and rise, and one day this old body, this old body right here that will decay and become nothing but dust or ashes will soon be resurrected and redeemed. But even creation, that the thorns have grown up, and all of the decaying and death and the cycle of death will be redeemed and it'll be like the Garden of Eden again. Now stay with me. We're going somewhere here. John is now still weeping because they're looking at that scroll and nobody's coming to get it. Nobody is worthy. No person is worthy. Now I want you to see it. An elder spoke forth, verse number five, because God has revealed the secrets to those who have already gone on to heaven and he speaks, weep not. You can overcome, you can win, stop weeping. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, I love this word, hath prevailed. Amen. He hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. And I, John says, behold, uh, excuse me, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. Now there's a great truth that I want you to see here. The elders said, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But John beheld. So in other words, he didn't look and see a lion. He said, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. John beheld in verse number six, and I beheld. So I looked. He said, look, and I looked. And what did I see? Did I see a lion? Did he see a lion when he looked? Yes or no? He didn't see a lion. He saw a lamb. And here's the twofold prophetic prophecy given in the, given in the Old Testament that Jesus is the lion, meaning he is conqueror of all. 
He is all royal. He comes from that royal family that God portrayed in the family of King David and that type of royalty and, and conquering through the lineage of King David. And he said, here is a lion of the tribe of Judah. He is worthy. Because he legally, nobody else, not you, not I, not anybody else is worthy to open the seals of God's will and God's redemption to buy back where there's no more pain, no more sin, no more sorrow. I mean, heaven's going to be like the Garden of Eden. We're going to be walking with God and talking with God and praising God. No death, no cancer, no, no diabetes, no COVID, no hatred, no racism, no politics. Somebody thank God for that. No Republican, no Democrat, no Capitol Hill, no nothing. Thing, just Jesus and King Jesus ruling and reigning forever. And so he beholds and he sees the Lamb, which not, now not speaks of royalty, but speaks of the attributes of God's meekness, which became the sacrificial Lamb of God. In Revelation alone, 28 times the Lamb is talked about. From the beginning of time, we see that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And the lamb, the life of the, uh, the, life of the flesh is in the blood. Blood is all about life. And if you are going to have life, then there has to be justification for the wrong that we have done. And our blood is not sufficient. Our blood is of death. Don't miss it. Our blood brings death. Our blood brings decay. Our blood brings sin. Our life, the very life being of us, is prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But God's blood, royalty flowing through his veins, shed on that sacrificial cross, shed for you and I, written as a pardon, makes you and I worthy... To become joint heirs with the one who is worthy to open the seal. And so we see the lion and the lamb. And you see that throughout all of scripture. And by the way, let me just stop and say and set some religion right here by saying we cannot separate the suffering from glory. We cannot separate the crown from the cross. We cannot separate uh, uh, the, 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 the brutal outcasting of Jesus Christ with his power and majesty and glory. You have to have the blood if you're going to be bought. Amen. It's got to be real. It's got to be redemptive if you are going to have eternity. And so the only way for you to be redeemed is through the royalty of Jesus and a sacrificial shedding of his blood on that old rugged cross. Now notice, and I beheld that lamb in verse 6. He said he came forth into all the earth. He came and took the, verse, the book, verse 7, out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Can you see it? The lamb comes, which is a, it's, it's a picture here showing who this Jesus is. He's the kinsman redeemer. How is he our kinsman redeemer? Oh, don't miss this. Because he came into a body like you and I so that he could be related to us. So that he could be tempted like us and tried like us and be one of us so that he could be sacrificed for us so that you and I could be joint heirs with Jesus, so that we could be related, so that he could come in and be worthy to buy us back because nobody else is worthy to buy us back when you and I have sinned and done wrong. And so we see that he took it out of the hand of him and all of a sudden they fell down and they began to worship the only one in heaven. See the God of heaven. See him sending his son Jesus for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See him sending him down into this old sin-cursed world that is under the dominion and bondage of Satan. See him now as he 
prays in the garden, great sweat drops of blood, knowing what is to come. But he knows that he's an overcomer. He knows that he's a winner. He knows that he's in the right. And still, he, now we see him facing the mockery and the scourging and the spitting and the nakedness and the brutality of an old rugged cross. See him as he sheds his blood dripping down that rugged, rugged cross. He becomes sin for us. And now see him as they take his body down off the cross and place him in a tomb. And see now during this time that all hell rejoices. They are rejoicing because the lamb has been slain, but not yet redeemed. The lamb has been slain, but he is tasting death now. He is in hell for you and I. He's literally tasting the flames of hell for you and I. But God would not leave his spirit in hell. And on the third day, even though the minions of hell were rejoicing as they're rejoicing this morning, as they're running about in the darkest, if you think you've seen evil on the news, there is evil going on in the dark places of the hearts of men across the world today that you cannot even imagine this morning. And in that moment, the cackle, the mockery, the slurpy satanic hiss of Satan rang forth. But up from the grave he arose. With a mighty triumph o'er his foes, he arose victorious over death. And he had the keys of death and of hell. And he says, I'm on my way to loose the seals because I became man. I was born of a virgin. He said, I took on the form of lowly flesh. He said, I, w I walked this old sin-cursed earth. But I died on the cross. I shed my blood and it didn't have a drop of sin. So I'm now worthy to walk into the throne room and God says hold on let's give them a chance to come to know me because I love them I'm not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature oh plead with them and some having compassion and others uh, save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment that is spotted by the flesh of this old uh, the, the sin of this old flesh and world and giving them a moment to be ambassadors and witnesses to tell the lost and dying world about Jesus and John's looking at all this and now the moment has come where Satan's deception is at the all-time high and Jesus walks into the room and takes the seal. Now I want you to see this and we're going to bring it to a close. I want you to see what happens next. The elders fall down and they begin to worship Jesus in verse number 9 that says they sung a new song. I'm going to shock you. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that the angels sing. I can't find it. It's not there. If you'll notice in verse 11 and 12, the angels began to say. The angels shouted in Genesis. They shouted over creation. They shout when a sinner comes to know Jesus Christ. But singing is created by God and reserved for those, hear me well, reserved for those who have experienced redemption. Singing is reserved for those who once was lost, but now I'm found. Who once was under the bondage of sin, but we don't have to pay for our sin anymore. And all throughout the scriptures, singing has been reserved for the saints to lift their voice in song. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Amen. Singing unto the Lord with spiritual songs. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm bought. I'm free. I don't have to live in sin. I don't have to work my way to heaven. I don't have to do it all. The, my, my bitterness and my anger and my cursing, my swearing, my crime, my evil, my thoughts, my heart, my hatred. It's redeemed. He pulled me up out of the miry clay and I can sing a 
new song as they sang 10,000 hallelujahs explode across the sky. 10,000 hallelujahs. We lift his name on high and all of the saints will sing. But at the same time, all of the chorus, if you will, of heaven, all of the angels of heaven began to say, they began to, to, to shout the goodness and glory of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Can you imagine this worship session like you have never seen before? I'm talking about you and I as saints bowed down before an almighty God singing, Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my love, my joy, my all. Let me tell you something. This is why we sing this morning. This is why we lift our song. Oh, come all ye faithful. Come and adore Him. Come and worship Him. Why? Because He's worthy. He's the only kinsman redeemer. He's the only sinless one that can take that title deed and say, Satan, you don't have it anymore. Amen. And that day's coming soon where He is going to open the seals. And as He opens the seals, I, I, I would love to, I'm, I'm bursting at the seams right now. But as He opens the seals, we see the revelation of prophecy begin three and a half years into the tribulation and we see the, the, the different uh, riders coming in on their horses and we see God establishing his kingdom and then when we rule and reign with him, the lion will lay down with the lamb and you and I will be governors. You and I will have dominion. You and I will live in a place that's ruled by King Jesus where sin does not prevail anymore. Oh, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. But right now we're under bondage. On earth, the enemies of Jesus said he is worthy of death, but in heaven, the angels proclaimed his worthy of glory and life eternal. On earth, enemies of Christ accused him of working in the power of Satan. In heaven, he is proclaimed as the worthy power of all the kingdoms of the universe. On earth, he became poor for our sakes, but in heaven, he is crowned with riches and glory and honor. On earth, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are blinded and believe not. But in heaven... The preaching of the cross is the wisdom of angels. On earth, he's recognized by his weakness, but in heaven, he's recognized by all power. Can you hear the sound? Can you see the picture? They're all singing one song and proclaiming one message, and here it is. Here's the message that I want you to take home. They're singing and proclaiming one message. Through Christ, we have overcome. Through Christ, we have won. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? You say, but I don't want to live under bondage anymore. Look, I'm with you. I get tired of the battles. I get tired of my own desire to sin. I get tired of this whole world. I get tired of hearing what's happening around. I even get frustrated. I'm like that, uh, that, that, that person sitting on the bench that say, put me in. I want to win this game. Amen. And I follow all this stuff. And I, oh, we want to win. We want to. And God says, hey, Christian, start Living like you've already won. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Through Christ we have overcome. Verse 10 says we're kings and priests. You say, but it doesn't look like it. Well, you're like the little boy who was playing baseball. We need to be like this little boy playing baseball. And the old man walked by the, 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 the batter cage there and he said, son, you're losing pretty badly, aren't you? He said, what do you mean? He said, I can see the score. It's 42 to zero. Little boy looked up and just kept swinging, practicing his swing. He said, no, we're fine. He said, son, you might as well go home, take your lunch and go home. He said, you're getting whooped. It's 42 to zero. He just kept swinging. He said, but mister, I ain't got up to bat yet. <laughs> and that's where you and I as Christians need to be. We need to come up to the plate this morning with the baseball bat of God's word in our heart. And we need to begin to win. Amen. We need to begin to overcome. Amen. The difference between 
Fear in faith is focus. And our focus is not where John got to put it. And that was on the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The difference between winning and losing is our focus on the lamb of God. We've got to stop living religious punch the clock, dead kind of a Christianity, and we've got to enter into the written word that God has revealed to you and I through John to say he's worthy. He's worthy. I close with this. We must start winning in our homes. Our children need to see that Christ is real. They need to see love. They need to see a heart for God. They need to see mom and dad winning through prayer. They need, thank you, I appreciate it when somebody's excited about winning. Amen? We need to start winning in our marriage. We need to start winning in our marriage to see that we can have a godly, conquering marriage through Christ who gave himself for this church and gave it as a picture for our marriages to pattern after to be a giving, uh, dead to self, living to Christ kind of a marriage. We need to start winning in our churches. We need to start winning souls and telling them about Jesus. He that winneth souls is wise. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize. He said, I'm winning. Paul said, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every one that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He said, I'm winning this morning. Some of you, you and I need to start winning over sin. Well, I just can't help it. You can help it in Christ. When you see there's a God that will give you the victory. We need to start winning over addiction. We need to start winning over that bitterness. We need to start winning over that unforgiveness. We need to start winning over all of the clouded junk that crowds our mind and take our mind out of the muck and mire and the dirt and the filth of this old world and say, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And so this morning I asked, is there somebody that is under the bondage of sin for eternity? who has never come to Jesus Christ by faith in childlike faith and said, I've never trusted him and him alone. Not trusting day, 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 day by day, though certainly we want to trust. I'm talking about being born again, coming to a moment in your life like many people sitting in this room that called out and said, Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner and you're the only one that can save me. I believe this. I believe you died on the cross, was buried and rose again. Did you know that can happen to you right here and now this morning? Did you know you can go to heaven from Washington, Iowa if you were to have a heart attack right here or get in a car accident or however you go, we're all going to die one day. You can go, but you're going to have to understand that you're a sinner and you are under the bondage of Satan. You're going to have to understand that if you pay for that sin without receiving what Jesus did on the cross, you will be written into that title deed of judgment for eternity that you will not be allowed out into heaven. What am I saying? The wages of sin is death. Death and hell were cast to the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire for eternity. A real burning hot Horrible, not a party with friends, cracking open the bush or Budweiser, living it up in a lustful, happy, dark place. No, it's a place of damnation for eternity. And he says, I've given you a space of grace. I've given you time. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. You're a sinner. You owe a, a penalty for that sin. But Jesus Christ came and he is worthy. He shed his blood on the cross. What do I have to do for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Turn from the dominion of darkness to faith in Christ. Amen. How? 
One man in this room simply looked up about 30 years ago, sitting right back here, and he looked up in a life of drugs and sin and suicidal and bondage. He looked up when he heard this, uh, this message of the gospel. He looked up and he said, please, please, please. Oh, and in that moment when he turned to Jesus, Jesus saved his soul. And he was written in that Lamb's book of life. And when that, 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 that scroll is open, when that piece of parchment is open, when that book is opened, let me tell you something, he'll be a joint heir, a kinsman to the kinsman redeemer. Amen. You say, what do I do? Follow the Lord this morning and trust him. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, would you pray in your heart right now? The words won't save you, but the prayer of faith in your heart will. Would you cry out to God? Whether in your heart or through your lips of whispering or even out loud, hey, it won't bother anybody here. Pray, dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Are you praying that this morning? I beg of you, please pray that. Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've done wrong. I've done wrong and my good will never outweigh my bad. It can't. I'm under bondage of sin. But I believe you died on the cross for my sin and that you were buried and rose again. You are worthy. You are living forevermore. I'm asking you, are you praying something like this to God? I'm asking you right now to forgive me of my sins. I receive you. I trust you. I believe on you. I take you at your word. I don't trust uh, my church. I don't trust religion. I don't trust uh, baptism. I, don't tr I trust you and you only. You and you only to save me. And right now, I'm asking you to save me. Please save me and take me to heaven when I die in Jesus' name. Nobody looking around, if you prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand? You prayed that prayer in a minute for the first time. I see that hand. Thank you so much. Somebody else, somebody else all over the room. Thank you so much. Here's what I'd like for you to do. There were several of you that raised your hand. I, we're going to stand in a moment and people are going to come forward for baptism and to pray and to pray with one another over the bondage of sin that we can have victory in Christ and begin to overcome in the darkness that has prevailed in hearts and homes. And when they come, I want you to come. And right here, we have a prayer team ready for you. Our pastor's here that will show you out of the word of God. If you're going to get baptized, when you stand, you just slip out. The piano's playing now. We're all standing. And I invite you to come. Would you step out? Everybody standing to your feet. A time of prayer and a time for baptism, a time for salvation. Would you step forward? Would you do that? We'd like for you to come and know for sure that if you die today, that you go to heaven. Would you come and make that most important decision? Worthy is the lamb that was slain. I want you to come back tonight at six. Why should I? So that we can corporately gather and begin to sing worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. 10,000 hallelujahs explode across the sky. Glory to the lamb of God. We lift his name on high. That's why we're doing what we're doing this morning. We're just celebrating a little bit of heaven down here. We're a church that's winning. We're a church that's overcoming, not because of our goodness. Well, no, we're like John. We weep when we look at this old world. None of us is worthy. But we see the lion and the lamb. We see the royalty and we see the sacrifice. We see the cross and we see the crown. We see the suffering and because of it, we see our Savior. It's time we start winning. It's time we begin to get confident in Christ. It's time we begin to pray. No Christian that's not, any Christian that is not confident in Christ is a Christian that's not praying in Christ. You stop praying when you become unconfident. When you get so clouded and crowded with the cares of this life and this world. And old John had to strip it all away and see the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world to fall on his knees and say, holy, holy, holy. And you're going to have to turn off the slut news of this old world and you're going to have to see Jesus only. And you're going to have to begin winning in your heart and in your home. You're going to have to crack open the truth that will make you free. That will reveal. See, John got it revealed to him 
in a unique way. And you and I get to, it revealed to you, to you and I in a, in, a, in a scriptural way in this old book right here. Read it and heed it and believe it and, and, and teach it to your children and sing about it and tell yourself, I'm a Christian. Right now you ought to say that to yourself, I'm a Christian. I'm free. I'm born again. I'm redeemed. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not going to live in sin anymore. When that old temptation of sin comes up, I'm going to get out the armor of God and I'm going to keep it on to keep myself free from that old fiery darts of Satan and I'm going to live as an overcomer. Paul said, I count all my gains as losses that I may win Christ. I see the prize beyond the price. I see the prize beyond the price. I press toward that mark. Wherefore, laying aside all of our weights and sins that does so easily beset us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. God is dealing with hearts this morning, and we're excited about it. We're thrilled. But is he dealing with yours? Are you glad you're redeemed? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell somebody about it this week. There's a lost and dying world. They're all over this community. They're all around you. And if you don't schedule a time to go, if you don't track up, if you don't get your little New Testament, if you don't learn some verses very simply, it take you 15, 20 minutes of training to learn how to share the gospel in a clear and concise manner with somebody and tell them about Jesus. If we stop doing that, we forfeit our right to become a church. What fruit of another Christian is another Christian. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. We got to start winning souls. We got to start winning our families, start winning our marriages. We got to start winning at work. We got to be that worker that's got a smile on his face because we're building something more than our own little kingdom at home and sad because we pay so much in taxes and our car's old and our house isn't what we want it to be and we're not getting paid what somebody else is getting paid. We need workers that's got a smile on our face and a song in our heart and a witness on our lips because we are kin to the kinsman redeemer. He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. He's all powerful, he's redeemer. His blood is spotless and sinless. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you for making me whole. Thank you for redeeming us. Father, we thank you for what you've done in this place. Would you bless us, I pray, as we go out about to serve you. Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be seated briefly, and we're going to get you out of here. Thank you for your patience this morning. We are excited about several baptisms this morning, and here's one of our riders with our bus director, Brother Dan. Good morning. This is Amira Coulter. Amira, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. Amira, from Muscatine, in obedience to command of our Lord and Master, and upon a public profession of faith in Him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of His death, raised in the likeness of His resurrection. They're all little women, so it takes longer. All right, this is Adlin Godinas. Adlin from Washington. Adlin, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. 
Adlin, in obedience to the command of our Lord and Master, and upon a public profession of faith in Him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Raised the likeness of His death. Raised the likeness of His resurrection. This is Clarissa Dillon from Muscatine. Clarissa, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. Clarissa, in obedience to command of our Lord and Master and upon a public profession of faith in Him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, praise the likeness of His death, raise the likeness of His resurrection. And I want to tell you just a little bit about Dick. Um, Mary is his wife right back here. And she says, pray for my husband. He has stage four cancer and hospice has been called in. He's in pain, extreme pain all the time. And this was last Sunday morning as we walked out the door. I stand back here and she just mentioned it in passing. And I said, oh, I will pray for him. I said, is he saved? You know, he's going to die. And I said, is he saved? She says, well, I don't know. And I said, where does he live? I didn't, I didn't know where he lived or anything. And she told me where he lived. Dick, I'm talking about you. And um, just give me a second, Brother Dan, here. And uh, so told, and so I said, I'm coming by this week. And Jim Belial and I went by. And when we walked in, uh, I said, no, this guy isn't saved. He's not saved. I didn't think so. Some of the words that, that were said right when we walked in, he was friendly and kind. And we sat down and began to talk to him. And uh, he teared up. And he said, well, I've got cancer. And he had peace. And uh, we began to talk to him. And uh, he said, you know, I went to the hospital and he said, I was sitting there and he said, I realized the doctors couldn't do much for me. And he said, I believe in God. My brother had died years and years ago. And he says, I believed in God then. And he said, I believe in God. He said, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I stopped him. I said, well, how do you know that? Because he said, I've, I've run with the cr wrong crowd. My whole, Dick, I'm telling your testimony real quick. He said, I've run with the wrong crowd my whole life. He said, I ain't got nothing to do with church. Even now, nothing to do with church. I don't go to church. I don't do nothing. And he said, but for six months as a boy, he said, I went to a Baptist church and I heard that Jesus died on the cross for me. Hey, these bus kids that ride, you just never know. You keep planting those seeds. And he said, sitting in that hospital um, room, he said, I bowed my head and I said, God, would you please forgive me? I've been a wicked sinner. God, would you please save me? Well, me and Brother Jim tried to shake his faith a little bit because I thought, well, did he really know that Jesus died for me? He was just trusting Jesus only. And we couldn't shake his faith. He kept coming back to it and coming back to it and coming back to it. And I said, well, and he said, you know, when I, when I got saved, I felt a burden roll away. And I thought, you know what? I should have gone to church. Well, he still hadn't been. This has been some time ago that he prayed and asked Jesus to save him. He hadn't even told his wife. He didn't know how to tell that. And I said, we talked to him about it and gave him assurance and all of that. And I, we talked to him about baptism. He said, I want to come. He's in pain, a lot of pain. He was in pain at his house. But he, and when we were leaving, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for the brethren. He looked at us. This, this old cuss, this guy right here lived a rough life. He's the one to tell it. That's, I'm not telling secrets on him. He looked at us and he said, I love you, men. I love you, men. I said, thank God for that, Dick. I'm so thankful you came. 
We're going to pray for you. I know you're I going through a rough time. This is the best thing that ever happened. Say that again. This is the best thing that ever happened. This is the best thing that's ever happened. Hey, thank God he saves an old sinner. Dick's going to get... I said, Dick, will you come and get baptized? He said, I'll be there. And then I tried to, I tried to get him, give him a chance to get off the hook so I wasn't forcing him, you know. I said, no, nah, I understand you have cancer. He said, no, I want to do it. I want to get baptized. And that's what I'm supposed to do. I want to obey. I want to get baptized. So here he is. Dick, have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. Dick, in obedience, command of our Lord and Master, upon a public profession of faith in Him, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Heard the likeness of His death. Praise the likeness of His resurrection. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Dick. We're praying for you. Would you write Dick's name down and pray for him? Brand, brand, brand new Christian. Thank God that he saves souls. Father, we thank you that you're the lamb slain before the foundation of the world that you can save an old sinner. Thank you that no matter what we're going through, we're overcomers when we come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.